Welcome to Don't Quit Your Day Job, a podcast about four guys who have no business thinking anyone will care about what they say. My name's Jeff. I'm Edison. I'm RJ. And I'm Joshua. On today's podcast, we're going to be discussing Justice League, DC's big combination to their cinematic universe. And we're going to be talking about what works in the film, what doesn't work in the film, what we think will happen for future uh, uh, films in the franchise, and what could uh, possibly happen to directors Zack Snyder and Joss Whedon. So I think to start off, I think we all noticed there. it's almost like it's split into two films. <laughs> the first half you can see it's basically a Zack Snyder film, and about an hour, maybe an hour and 20 minutes in, he gets this like almost light, childish nature, kind of similar to the original Avengers that we see with Joss Whedon. I was just wondering... What are your guys' takes on that? Well, um, do, we, do we want to do the, the bad stuff out of the way first so that way we let's can... Yeah, let's, let's it. do it. Let's get the bad also stuff. Also, that's the movie. Got it. It's yeah. like a few redeeming scenes. Shitty world building. Shitty world building. Let's go. Um, well, I think we can kind of see... I think they did a really good job in the sense that we can't tell what the reshoots are, but uh, it's very... Uh, Oblivious in the uh, in the Aquaman stuff, in the uh, kind of like Arctic town that Bruce Wayne kind of navigates through that that whole whole scene and it's got reshot shot for shot. But um, my problems with the film, um, like what Jeff just said, uh, world building. Um, if we were going, if if the, the if the point of the film was to kind of rush it through, we kind of see the, uh, the negative aspects of it because we're kind of thrown all these different concepts and characters all together into one two-hour movie that you don't really get time to explore any of it, and it's just kind of like thrown together, it feels like. So um, it definitely feels as though um, we're going to probably in future generations – Kind of take it slow. I think my my hope would be that they would, and take their time and introduce some different characters, different concepts within the DCEU, and try to build towards a second Justice League movie. I mean, just going off of that, like you said the other day, we know who Steppenwolf is, but it's almost guaranteed eighty percent or more of the audience have no clue why they should fear Steppenwolf and why. Any of this should matter. Yeah, what, after, what his exile is, why he's there, what the hell Unity is, and who the hell Mother is, because right now he just sounds like a whiny little bitch. He mentions the fact that he's been exiled once, and that's supposed to be a reference to the outer universe that they're trying to build up as a threat. Not to mention the fact that we're not given a reason to fear Steppenwolf. First off, his name's stupid, and they pronounce it way too emphatically. Second off, he gets the shit beaten out of him by everybody, and it's not even funny. <laughs> I think in terms of like puppets and all that and just kind of like who the character is, it took some liberties here and I'm a little disappointed, especially, and um, I'm going to give you a, is it, we're, we're doing spoiler free or can we? Yeah, I was wondering the same thing. Let's, go, uh, let's to... go about 10 or 15 minutes spoiler free and then we can get into spoilers after that and give a warning to Okay, the well then I'll just leave my complaints for Seven Wolf okay. uh, for later, but... Uh, yeah, the, the the way they went about this, it just feels very ham-fisted, and it definitely doesn't feel like someone who took their time trying to construct a $300, $300 million movie. <laughs> Only $300. Yeah, it, has, it makes sense. <laughs> it, has, it has a lot of the same issues that um, the beginning of Suicide Squad had, where it feels like it's trying to stitch together everything really quickly and really fast and trying to throw the plot at you instead of building upon it. I feel like if we went into this movie knowing more backstory about Aquaman, the Flash, like if we'd had movies building up to it like the Avengers movie did, this could have been this would have been a totally different movie. Like even if it was literally the exact same thing on the screen with well, all that, but with, with the, other, that, the character, that character development, yeah, who they were as yeah. people rather than yeah. like being confused whether they were mopey little bitches depending on who directed, and then like <laughs> they had a personality depending on the other director. Yeah, yeah it, it kind of felt like some of the scenes were kind of unnecessary. Almost yeah. like uh, the Barry Allen stuff with his dad. It's kind of like, 
what what does it do to further advance the story of Justice League in regards to you know them assembling the team, you know their conflict with Steppenwolf, and you know trying to make sure that he doesn't gain all the mother boxes. It just kind of feels like out of place and not really doesn't really advance the story. I think that was them rushing in that backstory that we should have gotten in a Flash solo. This all this all comes back to the fact that they were trying to rush to catch up with Marvel, and that's not going to work. Um, yes, I mean, even with the Steppenwolf scenes, I feel like the Amazons, the introduction of the um, Atlanteans, that could have all been, you know, after credit scenes. Like, oh, hey, after Aquaman's big climactic battle, what happened? Oh, snap, Steppenwolf's got the other mother box. Oh, hey, Wonder Woman, what, what's this? The Amazons have, uh, you know, come back to their kingdom. And it's like, oh, hey, Steppenwolf has the other MacGuffin-type, you know, yeah. piece to this universe. And it's just kind of like they forced in a lot of stuff that didn't necessarily need to be in there. But because they're trying to make some sort of coherence with the film and the fact that they really underhanded themselves with a two-hour uh, time limit here. I feel like if there was one film that this needed, should have had like a two and a half hour, three hour movie, yeah, it would have been this one. It should have been <laughs> this film. You know, the idea that Suicide Squad, you know, is two and a half hours long, but that we're going to go an hour 58 into Justice League just feels, this. it just feels wrong. It's, this, is, this is their big climactic uh, kind of like conclusion to the somewhat type of story that they're trying to tell through. BVS, Man of Steel, Wonder Woman going into this. So uh, definitely I think we need to kind of take our time in introducing characters and concepts throughout the next slate of films that are going to come out post-Justice League. In addition, in addition to it needing to be longer to fill in that gap of knowledge that we need to be connected to the world and connect with the characters, it also needs to not be directed by the mopey asshole. It needs to be directed by Whedon. How many scenes do you think were cut and will be added in the uh, DVD of the film? Because really, that could solve a lot of the issues we have on it, but the runtime just well, them adding my problem with that is I shouldn't have to buy. A yeah, movie no, I'm not. I'm not defending it or anything. Right. I'm asking, do you think this movie will like, substantially be better? If on you DVD? buy, if you buy Batman versus Superman on Blu-ray and you get the extra half hour. It's actually it makes it a coherent story and it's I actually don't decent, believe you. But you shouldn't have to pay twenty dollars when it comes yeah. out on Blu-ray yeah. to make that happen. See, I think this comes down heavily to what uh, scenes were cut out and whether or not they were done well enough to make up for that. I mean, on the merit of it being a theatrical release, it falls flat coming to the story and coming to the world building. But as whether or not they actually had a coherent story when they were Filming it and they just got cut for time and because of I don't know whoever the fuck told them to cut it is a different story. Well, I mean we're kind of having this conversation of you know what we'll see in DVD extras, but from what I've been reading, it doesn't necessarily seem that there's going to be a director's cut of this film. I know Josh Whedon doesn't like director's cuts a lot of times, so which makes this even more brutal. The fact that there might be things that are on the cutting board, cutting room floor that could make this movie feel more fleshed out and more coherent of a film. I think moving forward, they should just take the good aspects of this film and worry about their next movies. I'm not so much worried. Like I've already seen justice league. So even if half a half an hour of extra content came out, it wouldn't totally change my opinion of the movie. I feel like, just take the good aspects of this film and move on to The Flash, move on to Aquaman. Aquaman in this movie is actually something I wanted to talk about. He he kind of gave me some hope for the universe going forward. I really enjoyed a lot of what Aquaman did in this movie. It was kind of like Aquaman has always been the butt of the joke of the DC Universe, but they made Aquaman into one of the most badass characters that I've seen in quite a while, actually. I know Edison agreed with me. Yeah, no, I'm very much looking forward to what happens in Arthur Curry's world and kind of like kind of the interactions that he has. Um, he's a very uh, energetic kind of character, and you want to kind of see what happens next for him. And especially the um, Wonder Woman scene with the lasso and him, it really flushes, kind of gives him some like gravity to, to his character and kind of makes it, 
kind of like, oh, here there's a there's a personality behind the the dude bro kind of persona that we we get uh, for a good portion of the film, and he's a he's a character that I definitely look forward to. It really reminded me of the way of they, what they turned Thor into. Honestly, yeah. they almost feel like the same character. He is essentially point. the Thor, but the key part for his movie is that they're going to need a lot more of those scenes, a lot more of those lasso scenes. They're going to need to build his character up even more because the lasso scene was a good scene. It was a very funny yeah, scene. Yeah, let's just wrap the lasso around him <laughs> constantly. No, it was a good scene and it was a good character scene, but that by itself isn't quite enough to build his character. And if he's going to have a standalone movie, they're going to have to be able to repeat that on a grander scale. I see what you're saying. Like they could fall into the trap of Thor one and two, where yeah. there isn't enough humor in the yeah. movie for yeah. it to be a deep, like a really Not a movie you want to rewatch over and over. The shitty love interest. If they combine, like if they go the Thor Ragnarok route and they combine him being badass with that humor on occasion, then it could really be something special if they get the right screenwriter and director. Yeah. Uh, Thor Ragnar also had the added bonus of having um, good foil characters to go along with it. Uh, it also didn't have a shitty love interest. I will not beat that horse enough. That fucking love interest. I don't even know. Who was the actress for that in the first two Thor movies? Wow. Natalie Portman. And the fact that you keep forgetting her name is honestly offensive. <laughs> she is the queen of Naboo, goddammit. Oh, yeah. really, really. The writing for those films, you know, the first two were making to laud over... But um, it'll be interesting. I think you 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 see it with Wonder Woman, and you, you saw it, you saw it in Man of Steel. Granted, you know controversial you know decisions in that film, be damned. But I think you really have to have heart in some of these films. And the idea that you know Superman versus Batman was such a dark and depressing kind of film, it kind of sucks the heart out of some of these characters. I think. <laughs> I think what you really, what you really need going forward is, especially with uh, a concept like Atlantis, is to just go go all in on it and just kind of like show us this kind of this world of Atlantis and kind of explore it with us as a as an audience and kind of make us invested into why Arthur cares about Atlantis so much, why we should care as well, and I think. You know, with James Wan, he's a very action-packed, kind of fun director, and I think that he'll be able to get that kind of um, world-building kind of fun aspect of Aquaman and bring it to life. James sure. Wan is uh, the guy who made Fast and Furious 7, right? He did the new Fat. Yeah, right, he yeah. New Fast I, I remember that because I remember whenever he was uh, picked to be that director, I was very upset because I am not really a fan. I don't know if he necessarily has uh, has the chops to do a Thor Ragnarok type of movie. Honestly, I think we honestly think it needs to be Thor Ragnarok. I think, yeah. you need to, I think you need to with 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 this character, you have a world that's worth exploring and characters that can be brought to life in a way that we haven't necessarily seen in in either kind of a cinematic universe. You know, concept of underwater. That's a thing that we haven't necessarily. Uh, had a chance to play with. I think that could be a real good advantage for DC in trying to differentiate themselves and, you know, create characters that are memorable and that people want to go flock to the movies to go see. Yeah, we have a new environment to work with using Atlantis and Aquaman, but this kind of comes down to something else I mentioned before uh, in our first attempt at doing this podcast was that this might not be a popular opinion, but I'm personally, I think uh, DC would benefit from going a different direction not that I didn't enjoy the humor in these uh, in um, fucking Justice League, but um, I think they would benefit from taking a somewhat more serious route in some of the subjects, kind of like they, they did in Suicide Squad, but you know, not garbage. Um, See, I don't think there's a way to do that. There's, yeah, no, I, I don't think, think you they just can describe a way to do garbage without it making it garbage. See, no, they can, they can do that. You see, leading up to Batman v Superman, there was literally a rule inside Warner Brothers that these movies weren't allowed to have jokes. That they had wow. to be. They had really? to be this dark movies. Yeah, no, These they, were literally rules. Jokes that, are a thing you need in yeah. dark movies, though. That's it's so like I, how you. I feel like it. when you're saying these movies need to take a darker approach, I think some of them can. Yeah. But we still need to have those. Movies Aquaman I, in. by itself, I don't necessarily think should necessarily take a darker approach because it's the world of Atlantis, and it's already we've already established Aquaman. As I think a, more of a, a big character. thing. Like, let's move into some spoilers here. Just to warn oh, the we not already gone into spoilers. Not really. We haven't scenes. spoiled the end or anything. I guess. So I mean, just just a warning in case. I think on the topic of serious and not serious, 
they really fixed the Batman v Superman problem of Superman being way too dark, as well as <laughs> Man of Steel, where he's just snapping General Zod's neck. <laughs> I think we... Okay, so when we're talking about the whole serious, non-serious thing, I think what we're missing, I think what... what, what no, so we, we need to take this kind of back a couple of years, right? So we're looking at, um, while Marvel's kind of, you know, slow-burning this, this cinematic universe into existence, DC essentially had... Uh, couple of franchises. They had Batman and they had uh, Green Lantern before we had uh, Man of Steel, right? So you got a you got you got a franchise, and I think what people tend to mi misinterpret about Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy is that um, that it's this kind of dark and brooding kind of subject matter, but that's because it's Batman. And I think what a lot of people tend to miss out in those films, though. That those films have a lot of heart, kind of levity, hope, optimism, and kind of hopefulness to them. Um, and with Batman vs. Superman, we got none of that. We got a character who was very much on the edge, about no hopefulness to him whatsoever. And it's very dreary, dark, kind of almost like nihilistic to a, to a sense. And, and we... It just... When you take characters like Wonder Woman and and Superman and you put them in that kind of environment, it really takes away from the optimism, the idealism, and the kind of just wonder, wonder, uh, wonderfulness of those two characters. They're very, you know, out of the, you know, into the sunlight, kind of like what we strive, we, we as people strive to be, kind of type characters. And even with Batman, it, it kind of pushed it. To a, to a certain extent. So what I think we need to do is, I don't necessarily think they need to go completely total like humor, like, oh, hey, it's a joke, joke of Palooza. I think you can balance. I think what you need to, what you really need to focus on is that you take the character seriously. And that's the thing that Nolan did best with Batman, was that he took the mythology and he treated it like a true mythology and he treated, took his character seriously. These were do or die kind of stakes for each character in this franchise. And so you need to do that with your characters going forward. Because let's be honest, let's say the Suicide Squad. When your director is not only directing the movie, but writing the movie, and David Ayer, and he's going, and his interpretation of some of these characters are like, hey, I don't really have an interest in the comic book kind of aspects of the film. I want to do a uh, kind of like a South Central LA kind of gang style film. And you are taking characters that are very fantastic and just kind of out there, kind of wonder-creating wonder characters, and you're putting them into, like, this box of, like, gritty realism that necessarily doesn't apply to them. Let's and not be, give um, Suicide Squad too much credit. It wasn't exactly, uh, didn't exactly get the gritty realism right either. Oh no 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 no! I, I agree. No, it doesn't. It doesn't do that. Even it doesn't even do that right. But the fact is that the approach that David Ayer was taking with yeah. Suicide Squad was one that should not have been taken to begin with. In the process of trying to give uh, his characters a new light, he also didn't fully embrace his new vision for the characters, and he kind of just watered them down to a point where they didn't have any character. Yeah, because you're you're like you're you're doing um was it what's the guy's name with the flames. Uh, oh, Diablo. Yeah, yeah, Diablo kind of doing like this LA gangster thing, and then you've got um, on one side, and you've got like a character like Killer Croc, who's like just so it abnormal. doesn't talk at all and has no character. <laughs> it's like so abnormally like comic booky. It's just kind of like you got clash of styles that just it doesn't make sense. And then you're you're taking Joker, Harley Quinn, and it's just like that. Hurt it's, me more than I care to admit. Killer yeah, no, Croc is one of my favorite characters just for how just unnecessarily brutal he is as a person and like how flawed he is as a character. That kid's psychological trauma that led to the person that he is, and they didn't even mention that to begin with, honestly hurt me. He is yeah. a perfectly fleshed out character in the comic books, and they just chose to make him something disgusting. He didn't. Like, I feel like the fact that they couldn't like tie his character into the theme they were going for with the gangster sort of thing they were going for. This is the reason why he doesn't talk in that movie at all. 
is the reason they have him in the background of every scene is because they couldn't find a way to actually make his comic book character like I mean, meld. It's another thing where they throw these characters together with no buildup. They yeah. There was just it's the same just, as it is in Justice League. They threw all of these characters together, and again, we know who they are. But there's a lot of people who were confused as to who they are in general, and you and we're just angry that they messed up their backstories, whereas other people didn't know their backstories. I know they just I'm, trash the characters. Yeah, I'm more really mad good. that they didn't do anything good with the characters they were given. They yeah. had the option of going off the backstories they were given and building more character into it, or trying to do their own version. They didn't either. Speaking of that. Um, that brings me back to Steppenwolf. <laughs> My God, did they screw the pooch on this one? How do you Poor have? Pooch. Uh, how do you essentially? Because I mean, if, if you've seen the movie or you don't care for spoilers, you essentially move on from like the new gods, old gods, mother boxes, Steppenwolf, all that kind of concept stuff, and now they're going straight into like Injustice Gang, Legion of Doom kind of territory going forward. But, I mean, you had an opportunity where it's like, if you weren't going, if you were going to use uh, the Mother Boxes, the concepts of the New Gods, and the Parademons and all that, why not just go all out and just bring in Darkseid? Besides mentioning his name for two seconds. Did they even mention Darkseid? Steppenwolf, <laughs> Steppenwolf, it wasn't the last time we saw Steppenwolf, but it was like two times before the last time we saw Steppenwolf. He said the words... He just said the word dark side and then it faded out to another scene. Didn't even remember that. Wow. Completely I, whipped it. Yeah. But I, like, I understand why they want to avoid dark side to a certain extent because he is a very Thanos type character. They don't want to like, yeah. they he's don't want to make that connection immediately. He's the build up character. The okay, point so, being is. So then my thing is, is that man, you have Lex Luthor in Batman versus Superman. Why not introduce the injustice game? Or the Legion of Doom first, and then work your way to Parademons, uh, Dark Side, and all that kind of New Gods kind of concepts. But I mean, either way, they were screwed to begin with because of, of the, the similarities between Dark Side and Thanos. But if you were going to do that, you might as well should have beaten Marvel to the punch in introducing that type of character. Um, or either that or just save it and put it on the shelf for a later time. Because now it's like you've introduced all these concepts, but they're so tainted and bad, no one really cares to use them. And you yeah, waste a really good opportunity with really high concept, really like spectacular kind of uh, imagery and characters that they've just kind of pushed aside now and that we're going to move on to... Uh, our Luther arc and just kind of like Legion of Doom and stuff like that, which I think they can. I think if they put their cards right, they can fix a lot of this. I think if you're gonna do Injustice Gang slash Legion of Doom, every film going forward, if you're going to make this a real threat to whatever to Justice League going into the sequel, you need to make every villain we see in these films going forward compelling. They need to be a real threat to the characters so that when they do decide, hey, we are going to team up and we're going to take it to them, it feels like a real threat. Well, yeah, actually, I'm going to go back to Steppenwolf just a little bit here and talk kind of about, about that. Once they brought Superman back, he, Steppenwolf was nothing. Yeah. Like, I understand that Superman's a very powerful character. He's one of my favorite characters that the comic book world's ever created, and I get that he's powerful, but to the point where Steppenwolf has he been consistently right. keeping up with uh, Aquaman and Wonder Woman fighting at the same time, and Superman just walks up and just dick slams him. That doesn't make sense. It's like, why do you need yeah. the Justice League at that point? Yeah, they, why don't you just have Superman stand in front yeah. of everybody going, I'm sorry guys, I'm just going to punch you in the face, and I'm going to dodge, and you're not going to do anything to me because I'm Superman. They have this weird story-facing thing where every character, every villain they um, try to introduce in the storyline so far has to be climactic world-destroying, but they haven't gone through the character arcs or the build-up to introduce any of those. Like, going to compare this to Marvel again... When they did in Marvel, the first Avengers movie, the steps they had to overcome to defeat the boss was the fact that the group didn't get the, get along very well together, and they couldn't beat Loki, and they had finally came together and found some cohesion in their team. And then the bigger bosses that came later on, where they started working together more, and they had to 
do make some sacrifices. And whereas in DC Universe, like in Suicide Squad, they had an impossible defeat to defeat boss, and they just kind of skimmed over it and beat it anyway. And in this movie, they're kind of skipped over the whole cohesion of the team, but they made their enemy too powerful anyway. And then they just kind of pushed Superman in there to the point of where the enemy just fell. Steppenwolf couldn't beat Superman. They just made it too OP to the point where there was no conflict at the end of the movie. Where, um, in my opinion, the conflict should have arose from trying to get Superman to come back while fighting Steppenwolf. This, um, that should have been a stupid... Steppenwolf should have feared um, Superman's involvement. And that should have been like a race to get Superman back before Steppenwolf f- completes the um, mother cubes. The, the mother board. See, on one hand, it does ruin this movie, the fact that Steppenwolf just had no chance. But it also kind of helps build up this idea that these villains need to join together in the future. Like yeah. when that eventually happens, it makes more sense as to why they're all actually going to join up if... If literally Steppenwolf had no chance against Superman, then that's what's going to make them realize they really need to come together or they're not going to have a shot. Now. Oh, me. Right. But, yeah, um, I actually kind of think about it now where you're doing these these uh, comparisons to Avengers and Justice League. Um, I think what would have made the film more interesting is if, say, Steppenwolf had gotten a hold of Superman first. And then you have the conflict between him and Batman. You know, like the whole, you know, you tried to kill me. And it's kind of like overwork. Essentially, Batman having to have his comeuppance and kind of realize his mistakes and reconcile with Superman and try to figure a way to get Superman on their side. I think would have worked better. It would have made not only Seven look more intimidating and more legitimate of a threat, but also would have uh, made for a much better moment and when the team finally becomes one. See that? I feel like that would have worked, and that would have worked even better if they had made the reason for blaming Batman more impressive or more um, standing on its own in Batman v Superman. Because I feel like um, Batman's guilt for Superman isn't as intense as as it's portrayed. It shouldn't be as intense because... I don't feel like there was enough reason to blame Batman for that in Batman v Superman. But if that is built on better, I could see that being a very viable option. I mean, option. Batman was trying to like take out Superman yeah. in Batman v Superman. That's why he's supposed... Superman is this beacon of hope who's done nothing but good for the world. Yeah. And that's why Batman is supposed to feel bad about what happened in Batman v Superman. He's literally just trying to take him out with kryptonite. Also... Doesn't it feel a little confusing? I mean, because again, we, we talking about story, where we get we get the, the fact that you know obviously Superman should be mad about Batman having tried to kill him and just the whole conflict. But how does, especially since there's no magic, there's no nothing kind of like clouding his judgment. How does he get mad at him really though? Because at the end of Batman v Superman, they were like. Hey, we're we're a team. Yeah, that's, that's what I that's, that's what I meant. Is like they stopped being angry. Like I get he yeah. died and everything, but really, I understand. <laughs> I understand Batman tried to kill him, but at the end they teamed up, and I feel like it wasn't Batman's fault that he died at that point. Like there wasn't enough conflict there, and then when he came back, it was even more confusing because then Superman was back to being very angry with Batman, as if Batman had been the one that killed him. Well, I think we talked briefly. It's kind of like a Lazarus pit effect where. He wakes up and he's not in his right state of mind yeah. immediately. Yeah, but then at the same time, another thing that really bugged me was the fact that, like, at the end of the movie, we see the coffin, we see the dirt going. Up. Yeah, it makes it makes it seem as though he's going to eventually come back to life himself, and it's just like in the most strange scene I've ever seen in a comic book film, we've got the Flash and Cyborg. Taking a dead man's grave, <laughs> and we've been led to believe by the previous film that that's not necessarily the case. He may not necessarily be dead. He might come back, but it's just kind of like, no, no, he's he's deader than dead, and we've got to drag this body. We've just got to go desecrate a corpse, guys. <laughs> we've got to use otherworldly technology to bring back someone, and we don't know if it's going to work. It's, we've got to assemble all the Dragon Balls. We've got to drop them <laughs> in a pit and have a flash dodge them. It just, it just seems so. 
again, once again, where story in, is so important, and quite honestly, none of these films have, oh, besides Wonder Woman, have truly gotten that right. Yeah, story world building is very important for when you're trying to make a universe that has a bunch of different characters in it. Building characters and building universes is entirely the point of these movies. And up until this point in Wonder Woman, they haven't been doing a very good job. They got they did it right in Wonder Woman, and they're this is very obvious that they're getting better at it um, after seeing uh, Justice League. But they're not quite there yet, and it's going to leave a bad taste in our mouths when we go to see the rest of these DC movies. Now, I, and not speaking of world building, let's talk about it from the quite literal, real world sense. Uh, the numbers have come out today. Um, just, no, 94 million. Just League opened to 94 million dollars. So, 16 million short of what they wanted. And be honest, those numbers have got to be brutal for, for DC to swallow. It should be an eye opener. Because wasn't that something we mentioned? Um, Every movie was they, should have been an eye opener. Their <laughs> eyes are stapled shut. There's no hope. Well, <laughs> like at this point, this should be an eye opener because this was their um, big opening. This was supposed to one that was like, oh, we're back on track, and now they're still getting hit from their mistakes from before. This, this was supposed to be like their big showing out, like, hey, we've arrived. We're we're on par with Marvel. Yeah. We we can. And they're still facing backlash from all of their mistakes beforehand. I mean, but not only that, it's like. Wonder Woman did better than than Justice League. What was Wonder Woman's opening box office? It was about $120 million opening weekend, so... They're projected was I lower think that just goes to good. show that reviews really do yeah. make the difference. Like, everyone was going into Wonder Woman opening weekend knowing how good of a movie it was going to be because they'd heard, and everyone was going into Justice League knowing it wasn't really going to be that great of a movie because they'd heard from reviews mm-hmm. and from their friends and other things. And that, again, just comes from the fact that Wonder Woman was a new character they were introducing and they had to build up, so they didn't have to worry too much about their other movies. But Justice League was relying on all of their characters, and they had messed up a lot of those... Um, mess, they had done false starts for a lot of those characters, and that come, came back to hit them hard. That's why the movie didn't play out as well, and that's why a lot of people reviewed it badly. I think we'll have to wait until Wonder Woman 2 to find out for sure, but it could have just been the fact that there hasn't really been a solo female superhero movie yeah. up until Wonder Woman. Well, like that was the first big one. So that could have given it a big boost at the box office, if yeah. you think about it. Yeah, there was also a lot of uh, rhetoric going around about... Um, uh, I don't really want to bring this up, so I'm not going to, actually. But there was a lot of rhetoric going around that uh, boosted it. I was going to just mention feminism, because there was a lot of feminism. I'm not going to bring it up, he says, and then two you seconds You waved in. your hand at me. I was up. very confused. Yeah, but it was like there was a lot of momentum going around on that movie, not just because it was good, but there was a lot of other momentum that I feel like might have helped it. But again, we're going to, like um, Josh said, we're going to have to wait for Wonder Woman 2 to see if that was... I mean, in all reality, to have Wonder Woman do $120 million opening weekend, and then... Like, this would be the perfect time to get Justice League out after a huge success like that. The problem was, they didn't have a good movie to release. <laughs> I feel like that by itself could be its own issue. That, that doesn't have to tie into another one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I think, I think Josh's point here is that they had, like, the perfect opportunity. Yeah, no, I... the perfect storm for them to make a killing in the box office, yeah. and they just chose... Yeah, I kind of think I'd rather shoot myself in the foot, so uh, let's do that. I mean, we have this bucket. It's got half-decent stuff, and let's throw it. I think they were relying too much on that perfect storm of Wonder Woman to make them money other rather than actually having the quality and time. For well, you got to think, by the time Wonder Woman came out, this movie was almost done, if yeah, not I mean, done already. I mean, like, at that point, there should have been like, oh, well, Wonder Woman did good. We have a chance now. Let's go back and double take this and make sure I mean, they did cool. they Joss did. took back over but like it was there's just no fixing something that's flawed from the beginning we, we you can make it as pretty as you possibly can with makeup but like you can't fix it you can you can cga off that mustache all you want yeah basically i mean yeah no this movie i mean god how many reshoots and like corporate interference it had it's just kind of like <laughs> i mean this the idea that you know, I mean, Wonder Woman was already a, was already a done deal before. I mean, some of these reshoots were happening anyway. So, um, I think what happened was that they they heard 
they essentially, especially with Suicide Squad, because they reshot the hell out of that movie because they overthought that one too. Was you know it was kind of like, hey, these are dark, depressed movies. Let's let's redo them. And I think um, what they what they didn't necessarily get from Wonder Woman was again another thing is that they took the source material seriously, and they they really embraced the best parts of that character. And I don't necessarily think we had that in Justice League in terms of like well, Justice League is a whole other thing. It's kind of like you know, the story is still a mess, and there's just there's only so much you can do when um, you've got two different directors kind of giving out a vision of what this film should be. It's clear as day. The reshoots. Um, they were trying to fix a lot of the problems. Um, they're trying to, at least, not structurally, but like do minor fixes that they hope that they, it could um, be a better film. But, ooh, boy. So do we think if eventually Joss Whedon is given the keys to the car for a Justice League 2, do we think, based on what we saw in those good moments, do we think that could be like a really good film. Well, I think Josh is capable of doing that, but I think a lot of it is going to be dependent on their solo movies because mm-hmm. if they decide to make these characters into people that don't have personalities, you can't suddenly just yeah. give them a personality in the Justice League because yeah. Josh wants to. You could try, but it's going to be like, I just came from watching Aquaman I mean, and he's just some boring piece of shit. When I Why is he ju- making jokes now? When I watched Justice League, I like the characters not having personality wasn't the problem with the film. I thought that was one thing that was actually... Okay, what are the characters' personalities? It was just no, right. that's yeah. what we don't know that we yeah, can't yeah. keep flipping back and forth yeah. between characters yeah. having a personality and then they're not. Yes. It also relies heavily on uh, what cor- what the corporatization wants about it because that's where they're getting their funding and they're going to have to. I think they're going to have to realize they're going to have to let um, somebody the, take the wheel that's on yeah. uh, Zack Snyder. Basically, basically so, that's what it comes down. So I, I mean, there's, for me, there are three solutions. One. You need an equivalent to Kevin Feige. I think they have a guy in Jeff Johns who has a fundamental understanding of the characters in DC. And I think corporate has to have the kind of the, the faith that uh, Bob Iger and Disney has with Kevin Feige. They need to have that same faith with Jeff Johns. And I think if there's any anybody in DC, it's it's probably Jeff Johns is, is an amazing understanding of, the, of these characters. Um, it'll be It'll be interesting to see what happens with Brian Michael Bendis now that he's in DC now, and um, his contributions to Marvel are pretty fundamental. You know, the kind of team dynamics that you see in the Avengers right now—that's all his work. Um, Jessica Jones, that's him. They're kind of their take on Spider-Man. Same deal. So if he's now made the switch to DC, it'll be interesting to see how what affects his his writings in the comic books and kind of his effect on the company overall has on um, what they do in future films. Secondly, yeah, you need to, if you're going to do this DC universe as, as a universe, you, you got to figure out what exactly you're doing. Because going into the next two films specifically, um, Aquaman and Wonder Woman 2, we've got one where it's, he's going to be dealing with stuff in Atlantis, far away from whatever is happening with what's happening with the League, what might be happening with Lex Luthor and Deathstroke. And then you have Wonder Woman 2, which is not set in the present day. It's set in the 1980s. So where does where does this all tie into um, in regards to the future of the DCEU? We don't know, but if you've got one guy underneath the water and another person whose second film is not even based in present day. I'm actually concerned about Wonder Woman 2 now that you mention it, because I wasn't thinking about it, but the fights that Batman and Wonder Woman had to like add a little bit of conflict into the team in Justice League, he mentions that she hasn't done anything in 100 years like since the first movie. And like Batman does his research, so they've kind of typecast themselves into like a very tight, very small story where she cannot necessarily do a whole lot. So, it could be a thing where... You never know. It could be like Wonder Woman defeats this villain. It's not really a public thing, but she does defeat this villain that somehow saves the world. And maybe 
too connected to the bigger universe. Maybe this villain is just like in hiding. She doesn't kill the villain, but it's in hiding, and then eventually it can join the League with Lex Luthor. You never know how they could build it up. I get your concerns that these are kind of... It's another convoluted kind of thing that's going to further just give them problems down the line. It's not something they can't write around. Like, it's not an impossible barrier. Like, yeah, it, it comes, down, it comes down to whether or not they'll be able to do it or they'll it, understand that they have to do it. 100% going to be weird. Like, <laughs> it's not going to be fluid, I guarantee you. It's gonna, you're going to have to pull yourself out a little bit. I think it's, because like it's the, not gonna be, the um, whole her I think Jeff's, personality was presented as having been torn up for a hundred years. She even admitted to not yeah. doing anything for a hundred years. Like she herself yeah. said that. Which like, if you've done something in the eighties, that's like what forty years ago. I, I feel like in regards to RJ's statement, yeah, you kind of. I think you need to abandon that kind of storyline. Yeah, it it just needs another thing you have to pull yourself away from. Since if you are, I mean, once again, you're trying to contradict yourself in films. You don't want to do that. You've already made a kind of a mess already as it is. And I think, I don't think we need another period piece, to be quite honest, I think. Um, I think one Captain America period piece was enough, and I think one Wonder Woman period piece is enough. Yeah, because, I mean, yeah, you don't want to do a movie where it's just like the same jokes. Like, oh my goodness, technology, people. <laughs> oh my goodness, a woman <laughs> doing things. Like, yeah, no, you want to kind of move on and just kind of like, okay, we're in the present day as Diana, you know, go about uh, not being the fish out of water and just trying to adjust to normal society. I mean, that's a, that's a story worth telling. I mean, we see her in Justice League working in a museum, so maybe the movie is literally just her working in a museum for two hours. <laughs> In the 80s this time. Yeah, in the 80s. <laughs> There's going to be some David Bowie and Queen playing in the background. We just get to see uh, Gal Gadot dance for a while. We're going to have a CGI David Bowie guest star in some part of the movie. That offends me in so many levels. <laughs> Don't ever say that again. Maybe it's just an artsy romance and she doesn't use her powers at all. That would be oh, like a freaking Logan just this oh time without God. any conflict at all. Yeah. It's just a bad romance. Yeah. I actually killed to see that, honestly. Did you say Logan? Uh, did you, like, call Logan a bad romance? I'm confused by the sentence. No, I said Logan. Because I always uh, refer to Logan as a um, superhero, as a movie that doesn't have to be a superhero movie. It just happens to have superheroes in it. Mm. See, like, see, now I'm, like, as bad as it would be, as offensive to the character as it is, I think I'd totally be down to see a Wonder Woman a romantic comedy. See, that's what I mean. As like, terrible as that would be for the story, I think it'd be kind of hilarious that I'd actually see that. I don't want them to do it, but like that's something else. Some something somebody else should do eventually. Yeah, they should definitely do it. Do it. Just ruin your character. <laughs> you are, you already think, fell down the hole. Just go for it. I think that's more graphic novel territory than. Speaking of romance, let's talk about the character I love the most out of the Justice League, and my personal favorite. I think RJ is probably agreeing. With, RJ probably agrees with me on this. Um, the Flash was a pretty. Well, apparently, I was wrong. Yeah, Flash was Bat Batman's still my boy, dude. <laughs> but Flash was probably my favorite character. I did feel like they did a really good job of representing who he was. He, not to like make more comparisons that are unnecessary, but he kind of feels like their Spider-Man. He feels like the kid who doesn't know what he's doing. He's getting more involved. They did a really good job of portraying that. The actor who does it is very good. I haven't seen the Flash TV series, so I'm not cut up necessarily in what's in it. I have seen the TV show. So like the scenes with the flat with Barry Allen and his father and things like that, that just feels like repetitive to me, but that's not the movie's fault per se. Yeah. That's because I just saw it <laughs> in like two seasons of The Flash. But as far as like the scene where he's running and it's in slow-mo and he like touches Wonder Woman's sword back to her and then he that trips. Was... Like that was just that was hilarious. Yeah, I really, really good. Yeah. yeah. They had a lot of really good uh, speedster scenes with the flash. Oh. Like Whenever uh, Superman finally gets introduced, and oh, they get yeah. to see like the Flash, like trying to do his thing, where he's running around everybody, everybody's slow compared to him, and you just see Superman's eyes start following him because he's super fast and is able to keep up, and you just see Barry's face, like he's freaking out because <laughs> he's not used to this, yeah. and then you get to see a speedster fight scene between Superman and the Flash, and that was one of the coolest things yeah. I think I've seen in a very long time. That was one of the most excellent speedster scenes I've seen, and that's including Days of Future Past, that's including all of Quicksilver stuff. Yeah. yeah. And then, then, then we get the end credits scene where it's the, the classic will Superman outrace the Flash? 
And in my opinion, he probably will at this point because we've like the Flash was too afraid to even go save people in the beginning of the film because he's so young and he's just starting he's, out. Yeah, he like, doesn't understand how all of them he's yeah. capable of yet. He can't like use the speed force to go back in time, for instance. He's at the point in in Flash verse where there's still all there's a whole bunch more people faster than him. Like mm-hmm. Reverse Flash is still faster than the Flash at this point. I feel like he just he hasn't trained to the point where he's would be faster than Superman. This is one of those, uh, I know the end credit scene was more of a joke than anything else, but I feel like they're, as we mentioned after we saw the movie, we're, they're probably going to refer to it. They're not going to explicitly say one, but they're going to re- make a mention of it and cue us into people who watch the end credit scene on who won. And I feel like that's something that is not important as it is, but as funny as it would be, they can later on in the series refer back to that race and have actually have them do another race off and then they get on the flash win well the joke was that the flash hates brunch because he's awkward <laughs> and i feel like like we talked about it they could do a thing similar to the end of avengers right shawarma. yeah shawarma. where they're, they're, in the, they're in the shawarma place and they're eating i feel like they could just open up where because the bet was if Superman wins, then they all have to go to brunch. And I feel like yeah. they, he has to take them to brunch. If, more if at some point we get to see a scene where they're all sitting at, at a brunch, I feel like that would that would really be a good moment. Yeah, it would be, be a good, good throwback without like going without Superman going. Remember when I beat you in uh, yeah. that race yeah. that one time? If, if they mention it, it'll actually annoy me, and that would yeah. be a very bad start to the movie. But if they just start with brunch and then like ignore it and move on and continue the story, that'd be a great way. That'd be great writing, and I'd give them. So many props to that. So RJ mentioned that Batman was still his favorite character, where I personally, he was my least favorite character in the film. Batman, to me, they fixed Superman where they had him smiling from time to time <laughs> as opposed to BVS character. and Steel. But they kind of went too far on that end of the spectrum with Batman. Batman I where agree. There were just too many jokes for a Batman character in, in one film. He can have Peter. two or three jokes, but... It got up to like six or seven, and I'm like, "Why is Batman?" They all like definitely bleeding. Yeah, like that was dumb. I'll admit they didn't write him properly. They didn't do the best stuff with Batman. They just tried to make him into like a campy character. They also didn't do that's one of the kind of what I mentioned earlier, where like you can't keep flipping back and forth between what you want this character to be. You can't have him go from serious and fucking to jokey, and like it doesn't make sense. Not for Batman at the very least. I did not like a lot of the times they portrayed him in this movie. They didn't give him what he like was. They didn't make him the tactical mastermind. They just made him kind of their sugar daddy, which was upsetting. But I still have been Affleck, and I still oh, this is not like the reason he's my favorite is not because of like what he did in this movie. It's what I think he can do and what I think Ben Affleck will do with him because I respect Ben Affleck. They did the exact opposite issue that they did with Superman where they overpowered Superman. They underpowered Batman to a point where he was more of a running gag that he was even in the Justice League. Yeah, he was was a suicidal little person. Like, what are your powers? I'm, I'm rich. rich. I'm rich. It's nothing ha- nothing having to do with the fact that I know virtually every type of hand-to-hand combat ever. I'm a tactician with everything I touch and I'm a mastermind and a genius. No, I'm just rich. Yeah, I think uh, when it comes to my Batman, I kind of think uh, I have a three joke limit. And then it's just <laughs> <laughs> everything after that's insulting. It's just that's still too much. Like I think uh, was it towards the end? There's like a scene where he's like like smiling and like really happy. It's when yeah, Superman Superman, sh- Superman busts in and he starts to beat up Steppenwolf. He just looks and Batman like, is just like a little kid. He fanboyed like, really hard. Yeah. It was weird. Like in BVS, he literally thought Superman was the end of the world. And, and now, now he's, he's fanboying. He's giggling like a little kid. I get being happy to see Superman because his plan worked. He was like, I get to show this yeah. Wonder Woman's face later. Suck it. But like, no, he should not have been a... He should not have been giggling like a He should have girl. smirked at Yeah, like, a smirk at best because he's Batman and the world's still possibly ending and he yeah. has to focus. See, Batman's view of life should be the world is my bitch and I am a super genius. He's, he should be cocky. He should be he should be cocky. He should be I don't necessarily think cocky is the best word to describe him. I think prepared and ready for anything. And I like, feel like that would come off as cocky, especially in his joke scenes should be more cocky than they were. They were definitely kind of offbeat for the a Batman character. I think um, the tactician part, the this the whole world's greatest detective, like kind of like you know, not necessarily that he's fully embracing these people, but at the same time, it's just kind of like he realizes that they're superpowered individuals that can help him, you know, save the day. But like, kind of have like that nice little healthy distance that we kind of see in comic books, specifically like you know, like the, the animated series like Justice League and stuff. I think that dynamic really works well, and I'm surprised it didn't kind of like. Use that approach uh, to Bruce Wayne and Batman. 
But um, speaking of uh, just the jokes and stuff, I thought um, I thought the Jesus he's tall thing was was funny. I think that one like you could have kept that one and the yeah. I think I'm bleeding line. Like that would have been like honestly. Crazy. I think I'm bleeding was kind of more upset. What well, was more upsetting for the character for me than anything else? Yeah, that did not like. That did not seem like something Batman would say, you know? That's not a Batman doesn't show weakness. Yeah. yeah. It's ta- it's yeah. tactically important for him not to show weakness. It's part of his um If you're gonna be a human in the battlefield with these gods, gods basically, you can't show weakness. I almost felt that it was more like a personal thing between him and Clark of like I was an asshole. This is me recognizing that I was an asshole. And it's like, yeah, you got me. That's just like not something Batman does, though. Like, he, he I, doesn't usually recognize when he's an asshole, even though he knows he's an asshole. I feel like there, he could have there a joke scene could have been done with maybe if he had been talking to Alfred and said something other than that, it would have worked. But I feel like the way they executed it didn't work, especially. Yeah, just, just kind of like the whole execution of like the outside jokes. I guess is what you're trying to say, right? Yeah. All right, guys, um, I think we're kind of winding down here, so maybe we'll just get everybody's final thoughts and maybe how many stars out of 10 you'd give it. So, Jeff, what did you think? Um, my scale's a bit harsher on a lot of movies, but uh, 6 out of 10. It was a good, fun movie. I enjoyed seeing it. I'm not sure I'd watch it again, but it was fun to see the first time, and I really hope they uh, learn from their mistakes. And we're going to do that on a 10 scale, give it a 5. Um, the dialogue and character interactions were really good. Um, it makes me want to see these guys team up again someday. Um, the way that they introduce characters like Aquaman and The Flash make me excited for their future films. Um, as always, Gal Gadot fucking knocks it out of the park as Wonder Woman, so I'm looking forward to Wonder Woman 2. And they got Superman right. So, you know, hopefully, you know, the rumors of Matthew Vaughn, you know, taking over uh, for Superman sequel are true because, you know, Henry Cavill and him could probably make magic with Superman. My initial thoughts for the movie were a six or a seven, but I like thinking about it like after seeing it for a couple of days ago. Honestly, I'm going to go with four or five just because I don't like necessarily remember the good things of the movie as much. Like whenever I think of the movie, I don't think of like, oh, that was really good. The good things were just casual and not like. You remember all the flaws. You don't remember like the good things of the movie. So, four or five. I'm kind of with RJ. I've come down to a five out of ten. I'm myself. I'm a big DC fanboy, but I know how great these DC characters can be, and this just wasn't that for me. So that's my take on it. Um, thank you all for listening to the first episode of Don't Quit Your Day Job. We'll catch you next time.